Welcome to my podcast. It's Saturday, the 14th of May. Um, and uh, it looks like a beautiful day up here in the north country of New York State. Like about 70 degrees, sunny, no wind. Looks like uh, summer is almost here, actually. But I don't think it's going to last very long. At any rate, um, today uh, is uh, a discussion about uh, whether or not the mental health of our nation is declining. And there does seem to be a lot of indication uh, that our mental health is uh, on the rocks, to put it mildly. Uh, the use of antidepressants and antipsychotics has skyrocketed among children and adults and the elderly, a trend seen long before the COVID-19 pandemic. So we're talking about what was going on before COVID hit. One in six Americans now take a psychiatric drug, and many are on drug cocktails with drugs added to treat the side effects of other drugs. Some people have been on the drugs or drug cocktails for, for decades. It's really, it's really alarming to think of the number of people that are taking this stuff. And uh, the, the fact that it's increasing is a sign that both drug makers um, uh, and, uh, and patients are, are changing. The drug makers, of course, are, pr are promoting the use of their drugs, and um, the uh, cocktails are being prescribed more, and people are seeking more relief from them. Um, but, you know, the thing is, uh, if people are stressed and anxious because they've lost the psychological capability that once allowed them to navigate the inevitable hardships of life, that's a problem of culture and education. It's not, it's not a, a, a problem that can be treated with drugs. But it seems as though uh, what's happening increasingly is that what, whatever goes wrong in our lives, we may seek a drug um, to treat it. So we're becoming a, a rather drug-dependent nation. I think that people need to consider what the cause of their depression is in order to inform the approach that should be used to help them recover from it. Uh, but that may not really be happening anymore because of the assumption that if anything is wrong with our feelings, it must be a brain disorder. It must be a disorder that's linked to the biochemical activity of our brain. Of course, there's no evidence that that is the case. But um, many uh, propose that idea and very, very quick to prescribed medications or cocktails in order to treat whatever is going on. Mental illness is a condition that affects a person's thinking and feeling and, and mood. Um, but it should be noted that, that um, patient advocacy groups that, that uh, recommend the use of antidepressant medication and anti-anxiety medication, uh, fully two-thirds of the, those, uh, those groups uh, according to a 2020 article in the Journal of Bioethical Inquiries, are receiving funding from at least 16 different drug makers, as well as funding from um, uh, trade groups that represent the pharmaceutical industry in the United States. So they're hardly, they're hardly objective. Um, they're getting a lot of bucks for promoting the use. But of course, the reader of their articles would never know that. They would just uh, see it as a patient adv advocacy group that is advising uh, the use of antidepressants. 11% of Americans over 12 were taking antidepressants, more than 36 million people. Uh, moreover, the CDC says that 60% of users have been taking 
antidepressant drugs for two years or longer and 14% for 10 years or, lo- or longer. Uh, though medical experts recommend that antidepressants only be taken six to nine months and at most for just two years. So um, it, it really is uh, a major problem and it doesn't seem to be getting better anytime soon. I'm a psychologist. I've been in practice for over 50 years um, and um, I work without drugs. Uh, psychologists, for the most part, don't uh, prescribe medications. There are some that do, but most psychologists don't. And um, uh, so there's a split. There are psychiatrists and, and physicians that want to immediately put people on medications. And then there are psychologists that want to use very effective forms of therapy uh, to help people without drugs. And some people have both. Some people will take medication and see a psychologist. So I've had to really scratch my head and do a lot of thinking about why is our nation's mental health getting worse? Why are so many children on antipsychotic and antidepressant, anti-anxiety medications? And I've come up with a list of, of, of a number of factors that I think need to be cons- concerned. I think that there's a lot of anxiety about the future of well-being of our country. Um, economic growth is, 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 a, is a big question mark. Uh, we can see that the cost of, uh, of higher education has gone through the roof. And, and many more people are beginning to question whether or not it even pays to go to college uh, because uh, college uh, costs so much. And the return on that investment, which could be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars easily, may not, be, uh, may not make it worthwhile. And uh, the, the, the conflict going on in the country between those who want rules and regulations and, and, and economic growth on one hand versus social justice warriors on the other hand are creating tremendous anxieties in terms of the value system of our country. And I think that's affecting young people in particular. Along with that is the loss of religion as a cornerstone of community support and morality. It used to be that most Americans went to church or, sin, or temple and uh, that uh, religion was a centerpiece of their lives. It no longer is. It's been, it's been replaced with um, secular humanism, which is a form of popular moral relativism. So within religious communities, we have the Ten Commandments and a sense of right and wrong. Um, but in secularism, uh, we, have, uh, we don't have that. We have uh, a moral relativistic system in which the ends are oftentimes used to justify the morality of the means. And along with that, a good example of that would be abortion and the decline of reverence for life. Abortion is a, is a perfect example of the ends justifying the means. So you can kill a, a living human being that's unborn because it's inconvenient to have the child. Um, so uh, this leaves people in a position of not knowing what's up and what's down, what's left and right, what's right and what's wrong. And I think people need a lot more certainty than that in their lives in order to navigate the, the, the stresses and challenges of life, life more uh, healthfully. Uh, teaching children that the world will end due to climate change, I have found in my practice, is a very disturbing issue for young people because they believe their teachers. Most of the teachers are Marxists and have a leftist uh, orientation 
and 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 feel or believe that there's a great interest in teaching children that the world is going to end unless um, we stop uh, stop emitting carbon dioxide. And of course, you know that uh, children are led to believe that the biggest offenders are their parents, because it's their parents that buy cars and drive around, put gasoline in their cars and whatnot. So, uh, of course, the idealistic children then are put at odds with their parents, and that just makes things worse. All right. In addition, another parent-child conflict would be gender identity manipulation by the government leading to the downfall of the family. So when you begin to have teachers in school secretly advising children that if they're born with a penis, they don't have to be a boy, uh, as an example, uh, they can choose to be a girl and not discuss that with the parents. And then for those kids that are transgender in their thinking to be suddenly really popular and supported because they've quote unquote come out immediately puts them at odds with their parents. So the, this is causing the breakdown of the, of the family system, which once was the cornerstone of the psychological stability of the children. So you begin to break down the family and you put children against their parents and, the, and then the schools are, are against the parents. Um, and you, you see you have a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress coming from this. This is why the gubernatorial election in Virginia uh, in which Youngquin won was all fought over the issue of parents not being told what's going on in school with regard to the gender identification manipulation going on. And he, he won the election by promising to, to stop that. So, okay, so this has led to a loss of national identity uh, with kids being taught in school that America's capitalist system and our, our greenhouse problems and climate change and transgender, all the victims that America has caused, the history of slavery in the United States has let, actually led to a lot of kids not thinking that America is a great nation. So here we are, 350 million of us uh, evolving in our nation and not having a good feeling about it. Why? Because the educational system and the media has been steadily at work for decades, undermining Americans' uh, 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 adherence to our patriotism. And, of course, that unties us. It, it causes all these things together cause us to be like a ship drifting out at sea and having no direction. Um, the erosion of the family economics is, is part of this. Um, our, it's very difficult to raise children. It really costs a lot of money. And you can see that. Uh, that the birth rate in the United States has gone way, way down. Uh, the government is doing nothing about this. The government is, is, if anything, making it harder. Inflation in particular is hurting families. Eight and a half percent inflation is costing the average family in the United States $5,200 more in expenditures. And they're supposed to have more children. Children cost a lot of money. Uh, divorce is another contributor. Uh, to the declining mental health in the country. Divorce is terribly damaging to children, terribly damaging. And there's little or no research that shows that second and third marriages are any more satisfying than the first marriage that was thrown out via divorce. So um, I was driving through uh, South Carolina recently on a trip to Florida, and I saw a sign uh, that said uh, it was from a law firm that said, um, uh, life is short, uh, uh, get a divorce. 
and 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 that really struck me as uh, as an indication of where we're at as a society because we have this expendable uh, uh, type of understanding about marriage. It's no longer a lifelong commitment. And through uh, better or worse uh, health and sickness, we're going to make it work no matter what. It, if it doesn't feel right, we get rid of it. And the effect on children is terrible. But of course, the parents that are getting the divorce aren't really thinking about the impact on children. They're thinking about what they want. And they're not balancing what they want against the damage that that having the divorce is going to cause the family. Okay, so the the idea of prescribing drugs for everything to make people feel better is, in my opinion, part of the problem of declining mental health. You think the drugs should be curing disease. Well, the psychiatric drugs are not like antibiotics. Antibiotics do attack germs and kill the germs, bacteria, and can alleviate an infection. But you see, psychiatric drugs don't alleviate a depression. They alleviate the symptoms of the depression. So when people take uh, the most recent generation of psychiatric drugs, they're called SSRIs, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. What these drugs do is they increase the availability of neurotransmitters in the brain that impact mood. And the presumption is, although unproven, is that um, depression is a brain disease caused by uh, inadequate or uh, improper uh, transmission of neurotransmitters in the brain. Okay, so there's no there's no uh, support for this, and uh, um, the impact that this has when it's overdone. I'm, I'm not totally against psychiatric medications, but the impact that this does is it it stops people from thinking about why they're depressed. And it stops them from entering into a process of trying to figure out what the root cause of their depression is, and perhaps to consult with a psychologist uh, psychotherapeutically in order to deal with the cause of it and to come up with remedies uh, for the actual cause rather than to just uh, reflexively jump to taking a drug to make yourself feel better. Um, interestingly, there's a lot of research that shows taking a nice walk or a jog every day can make you feel better than even taking a psychiatric medication. Why? Because the jog or the walk, which has no negative health benefit, uh, side effects, can also increase the availability of neurotransmitters that regulate um, mood in, 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 in us. So um, the use of psychiatric medications can be overdone. And I think it is way overdone in our society. Um, physicians uh, immediately put people on antidepressants when they complain of depression. And uh, my experience after 55 years of practice is that it's a rare physician that will refer to a psychologist first and ask the psychologist to, to make a recommendation as to whether or not medication would be helpful to the person while they receive psychological therapy. So um, the overuse of uh, medications uh, uh, de-emphasizes the need for people to come up with coping mechanisms to deal with the problems in their lives. And the less people uh, develop coping mechanisms, it's like a muscle you lose. And when you lose that muscle, your, uh, your vulnerability to stress and the challenges of life gets worse. Okay, other things that... Uh, may help cause uh, depression. 
and anxiety. The sexual revolution, the, uh, the, the act of disconnecting sexuality from love has been terribly, terribly destructive to men and women. Very, very difficult. I'm not going to spend too much time going into it, but it has something to do with uh, our need for immediate gratification. We, we're, we've become rather impatient. We want what we want when we get it, and we are unwilling to wait for um, the good stuff in our lives to evolve by patiently dealing with uh, our coping mechanisms. We've lost those coping mechanisms, and hence we're more vulnerable uh, to the ravages of the challenges uh, in our lives. And sec- the sexual revolution is definitely part of that. Uh, don't wait for marriage. Don't wait for a loving relationship. Uh, if it feels good, do it right now. A lot of people ask me all the time, so then what do you recommend? What kind of therapy really helps people that doesn't necessarily involve the use of psychiatric medications? And the answer is really clear. It's called cognitive behavior therapy or CBT sometimes and other times referred to as rational emotive behavior therapy or REBT. They're both the same. This is a very empowering form of therapy that deals with thinking and how thinking affects anxiety and depression. There are lots of great books. You can read anything by Albert Ellis, the uh, famous psychologist who evolved this form of therapy, now deceased. There's a institute in Manhattan called the Institute for Rational Motor Behavior Therapy that was founded by Albert Ellis. Any of his books would be most helpful to you. Um, th- there's books that he's written that have to do with how to not how to not worry, how to deal with depression. Cognitive behavior therapy is a very effective evidence-based treatment. I am a cognitive behavior therapist myself. I've been using it for decades. It is very fast working. Uh, you can get results with cognitive behavior therapy much m- much more rapidly and there are no bad side effects um other things that have contributed to the increased mental health uh, issues in our country is i think the american experiment with progressivism i think it has failed miserably and there's no better distribution of wealth in the united states that's been caused uh by progressivism uh, and uh quasi, well, what I would call quasi-socialism, it has failed. Uh, there as many people below the poverty line now as there was 50 or 60 or 70 years ago when the experiment with progressivism um, started. Uh, defunding the police is uh, has failed miserably. All right, so um, people are being led to believe by the leftists in the country that uh, the police are the problem, not the moral behavior of people that might cause the police to make an arrest, but the police are the problem. So get rid of the police and you're going to have a, a, a better society. But of course, the opposite is the case in all the blue cities in the country. The murder rate and the criminality rate has been skyrocketing in the very same cities in which the police have been defunded. Yet, of course, this has caused many to be angry with the police and instead of thinking in terms of what they can do to make their community safer and healthier, they just get angry. So I, this contributes to mental illness, in my opinion. The loss of personal accountability is the problem here. When people start not taking responsibility for their actions, 
the lack of personal responsibility leads to an escalation in anxieties. Um, these factors that I've been listening damage the formation of healthy, balanced, moral personalities in young children and adults and heighten our vulnerability to mental illness, addiction, alcoholism, and social disorder and crime. In many cases, the excessive use of drugs to treat mental illness does not solve the underlying causes of the mental illness. As a result, as a nation, we have become overwhelmingly dependent on prescription and non-prescription drugs, including marijuana and alcohol, to solve our problems, all of which, of course, continues to erode personal accountability and responsibility for taking better care of ourselves. Thanks for listening. Um, and if you want to respond, uh, you can find me on my uh, Facebook page. And by all means, uh, I'd like to hear your comments. Thanks for listening. This is the Dr. Raymond Havlicek podcast. God bless America and God help the people of Ukraine. Peace.